Blog Talk Radio. To say you gotta know somebody, or know somebody, to give somewhere these days. To say you gotta know somebody, or know somebody. Good morning, this is Chickie Fitzgerald. It is Friday, December 7th, 2012. And you are joining us on the Executive Girlfriends Group for a special broadcast with Karen Wright, the author of The Complete Executive, The Ten Step System for Great Leadership Performance. Good morning, Karen. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Well, great. It is so uh, terrific to have you. What's the weather like in Toronto today? It's a little cold. We're feeling winter coming on. How about down where you are? <laughs> well, we're in Tampa, Florida. So uh, yeah. in December, uh, we really only have one kind of weather, and that is uh, absolutely gorgeous. Um, <laughs> I was my, <laughs> my son was saying the other day, because it, it was actually quite cloudy, and he said, Mom, a storm's coming. I said, Sergey, this is December in Florida. We don't ever have rain. <laughs> so... Uh, and I always uh, have to laugh when we go uh, down to the beach because those people who are from Canada and in the northern part of the U.S. Are, are all down there in their shorts and T-shirts, and the Floridians are down there with their parkas on <laughs> when it's 70 in, in December. Yes, but, it's all in your uh, perspective. Absolutely. Well, Karen, I would uh, like to just jump right in here. Um, you know, as you know, the Executive Girlfriends Group is a broadcast that is geared toward executive women, although I know your book really uh, is is not just for women. It is for men and women alike. Can you tell us uh, just a little bit about yourself and your background before you uh, started writing books? And uh, tell us a little bit about your day job. Okay, well, uh, I have an MBA in marketing, and I spent the first portion of my career in consumer packaged goods, marketing, and advertising. And I worked for companies like General Mills and Pillsbury, and and I worked for Frito-Lay for a number of years. And as part of that, uh, as at the time, oddly enough, you'll appreciate this, in the mid-90s, I was the most senior-ranking woman in the Frito-Lay organization in Canada. Mm. And... Um, that really it shouldn't have been the case at all, but it was. And right. uh, as a big op- big opportunity, they offered to move me internationally. And as a stepping stone into the international system, they moved me to the head office, which is which is in Dallas, Texas. Right. And uh, so they moved me to Dallas. And Frito Lay is part of Pepsi, and and Pepsi at the time had a habit of moving its senior people around quite frequently. And by the time I landed in Dallas, Texas, the guy I was supposed to work for had been moved to Taiwan. And I had three other bosses in the span of eight months, and it it finally occurred to me that this might not be working out. <laughs> and so I I ended up just saying, you know what, I, I just think that that this is not going the way it was meant to go, and and so I resigned and moved back to to Canada. And at that point in time, I had this really interesting open space where my career used to be, and I I was um, lucky enough to be able to think about it a little bit and make some choices. And as I was in this thought process and you know to be honest I was doing a lot of the thinking at a spa because where else would you go to think <laughs> um, and so I was, there I was at, oh, I think you know it, it worked for me too I there I was on a hilltop at Canyon Ranch in the Berkshires and um, and I happened across an article on coaching and at the time coaching was just emerging in the U.S. and it was non-existent in Canada and it just really intrigued me 
And um and that I explains why to... you were the first professional certified coach in Canada. Well, I really did get in on the ground floor. It just struck me as interesting. I signed up for a course. I started talking about it and, you know, as I say the rest is history. I've never looked back. But if you think about it with a marketing background, I was incredibly well positioned to start something new in a market where, you know, nothing previously existed. And that I think exactly. served me very well. So when you decided to write the book, was it at the uh, urging of people around you or did you just have it in you and you knew that you had to write it? Well, I've been coaching now for 17 years and working with, with senior leaders and over time some patterns have absolutely emerged. And I'm very willing to share stories, not not with names attributed, of course, but you know, if I'm working with with the CEO of a mining company, and I uh, I know something that the CEO of the packaging company is doing that might be useful. I'll, I'll share those best practices. And over time, it really became clear that some, some patterns and some trends were emerging. And with all of that, I had also been forming my own point of view on what it takes to be, in combination, happy, healthy, and successful. There's an awful lot of leadership literature about how to be successful in a purely business sense. And there's a huge cohort of happiness-focused literature going on. And, of course, health has always been well well written about. But at the executive level, what it was, was striking me as being really, really interesting was the fact that it seemed to me relatively few people had figured out how to combine those three goals, health and happiness and success. And so when I was seeing people who were proving that it was possible to achieve all of those three things at the same time, they had some things in common. And so really the the book kind of wrote itself out of my observations of my clients, but it was very much connected to my own personal beliefs around what's possible. Well, I think it's really interesting that you took that approach because one of the, the reasons behind the formation of the Executive Girlfriends Group was uh, just exactly what you've said, that, that there are a lot of things that, that are geared toward the business life of the individual and a mm-hmm. fair uh, amount that is geared at their personal life, but we wanted to create something where people could be themselves. And uh, in the early days of the Executive Girlfriends Group on on our Friday call, which used to be at four o'clock in the afternoon, uh, we had a number of people who called into the call, and and that actually occurred before we decided to add a special speaker to our call. And it was interesting because we would kind of go around the table and ask people to share the high point of their week. And we didn't force them to share a low point, but when when you set the bar of of sharing a high point, quite often the low point just comes out uh, (laughs) if they didn't have a high one. And and we didn't say that it had to be business or, or, you know, that it was in their marriage or with their children or with their dog or, you know, whatever it was or even just uh, something going on in the life of a friend. But those things all came out unsolicited. And so we have always addressed the complete woman and nice. and whatever aspect of your life you needed to bring to the table. Now, the, the call has shifted over time to where uh, now it, it is more of a radio show that, that they listen to because we do post it online and on Blog Talk Radio and we mm-hmm. have an iTunes channel. So a lot of folks, uh, you know, just listen when they can. Uh, That's great. But, you know, 
I was intrigued because, uh, you know, I, I have been my, on my own executive journey. I, I went out uh, on my own the same year that you did and left mm-hmm. the travel industry, and I had been, uh, mm-hmm. you know, very successful uh, with uh, some travel technology companies. So was always involved in, in marketing and, and marrying buyers and sellers and went out on my own in strategic consulting. But uh, I'm also a serial entrepreneur, so I'm constantly <laughs> struggling with, with this whole executive role. And I was so delighted when I opened your book and saw that the number one thing, which is, is really a top priority in my life right now, is to make health and fitness your top priority. Now, who would expect that in a business book? <laughs> well, and you and I both know that without health, you you can achieve nothing else. Right. And in particular... In the in the life of of an executive level person who is you know performing at that top 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 level, that's an incredibly demanding place to be. And I'm sure that my male clients would disagree with me, but I'll assert that for a woman, it's even more physically demanding, right? Because we really do, uh, you know, the, the 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 nurturing side of our personas tends to to kind of draw that much more emotional energy out of us. But but even without that. The physical demands of an executive level job, the travel, the entertaining, the the yes. opportunities to eat badly or well, you know, so um, the, the <laughs> intellectual the stress. Same thing, right? <laughs> it, well, sometimes, yeah, uh, you know, the intellectual stress, the emotional stress. Right. So, so it's an incredibly demanding role for anyone to hold. And so, in order to be able to withstand all of that stress, that multidimensional stress, your health has to be in excellent shape. And again, if you track back to what did I notice about my clients that were most successful, the ones who were really thriving in these high-demand roles? They, without exception, devote an hour of every single day to exercise. Right. And there's a little story I tell in the book of the one client who says that he operates his life on a 23-hour day and everything has to fit into 23, not 24, including sleep, because he devotes one hour every single day to exercise. Well, and, you know, I've uh, recently retooled my life uh, around that same thing because I realized that at at my age I I had what I call my double-digit year. I turned 55, and my husband and I have been married 22 years. Wow. uh, And we've got young kids. I've got a a middle schooler and a freshman in high school. (laughs) I've got exactly the same, exactly the same. Do you really? Oh, how amazing, Karen. And and I had uh, parents that both died at 75. And, you know, when I think about the age that my children will be when I'm 75, I don't want to go. You know, I, I'm not going to sign up for that. But I realize right. I can't just dictate that. I really have to start changing that now. Mm-hmm. And so I have had... Uh, well, I've made enormous changes in my life because my I started to tell you that um you know i've I've had a consulting firm for seventeen years, but uh really, my heart is with entrepreneurialism and and building new businesses and I've been fortunate enough that my husband had been the Mr. Mom for fourteen years uh, that's and he got a job last oh. year right about this time. <laughs> And so it it has been uh, an amazing change for me because I've had to take over the full-time mom role, too. And so fitting in, dropping the kids off, going to the gym. um, You know, this morning I made the decision to go back to Weight Watchers because I need the accountability that that uh, Mm -hmm. affords. And then I thought, 
wow, and you know, yet another hour out of my week that is already pretty stretched. <laughs> but um, yep. you know, when I when I saw this as your number one priority, I you know, I just thought, you know what, this is so right, and it's the area that we rob ourselves. And uh, the, let me just back up just a little bit and tell people about the structure of your book because, you know, when people are listening uh, to an audio broadcast, often when they're driving, uh, you know, they don't have the benefit of, of having it in front of them. But Karen has, has done an amazing job of taking, uh, as I mentioned, this 10-step system. And we're going to go through at the uh, very high level the the 10 items. But within each of the 10, she has 10 uh tips, I would say, uh, that are are very well structured and very uh, well organized. So you really end up with a hundred practical things that you can do to change your leadership life. And, you know, I imagine different people uh, attack them in in a different order. And and Karen, tell us a little bit about the the test that you have in the back of the book, the, uh, the assessment that you have people do. Well, there's an assessment. It's in the back of the book, and it's also available at my website at KarenWrightCoaching.com. And so you can go on, and for free, you can take the online version of the assessment. And it just asks you to go in and and assess yourself in terms of whether or not you're currently practicing any of these these items that are in the checklist. And so it's 100 points. By the time you're done, you'll get a score out of 100. And then you get to decide, and it also reports your score by section. So you'll see where you got a low score out of 10 and where you got a high score out of 10. And the idea then is to pick one of the lower scoring categories and start to do some work there so you can bring it up a little bit and uh, and sort of focus where you've got the biggest opportunity to make some changes. Right. So we've already gone through uh, the the first one, and and let me just give folks an idea of some of the the subcategories within this section. Disciplined eating habits uh, and having a clear philosophy about food, daily activity and energy awareness, weight management, goals and metrics, hydration and supplementation, cross-training and recovery strategies, sleep, which is a a big (laughs) one for me. I do not get enough sleep. Uh, diagnostics, support mechanisms and equipment, and social support. And I'm not going to do that for every chapter, but I just wanted people to get an idea of how well-rounded each one of these sections are. So let's move right into number two, which is craft a life plan. Tell me why that is is next and, and why that layer of planning is necessary before you can move on to the next. Well, anyone I know who's ever struggled with a decision about whether or not to to pursue or accept a new job role, they've struggled because they weren't sure how it fit in their life. And from my perspective, if you are clear about what your life goals are, and let's make it clear, no matter how important your job is, no matter how big your job is, it is one aspect of your life. And if you really treat it that way, you will look at your life as a whole and say, okay, so where does job fit and how does job help me meet my bigger life goals? And if you have a a life partner, then the best thing in the world is to think about your own life goals and then sit down with your life partner and map out the life plan that the two of you will pursue together and understand how career and job for each of you fits into that. And and that will help you then be able to make decisions about whether or not to go after that next thing or whether or not to relocate or you know all of those things. So, so it's really about having a, a way of making decisions and a bit of a context in which to put your career. Right. And again, I, I think it is so important um, that that it spans such a broad part of your life and doesn't just focus on career planning. 
because again, you know, quite often we get all wrapped up in our careers and then on the day that it's over, you know, whatever the <laughs> catalyst for that is, I mean, if you're fortunate enough to have been with one company for, you know, your entire career or you have a structured retirement uh, plan, you know, then what? And uh, we had an interesting conversation the other night in our family because we've got a, a son, uh, he's my younger one, who loves fishing and being outdoors and, you know, going to college, uh, you know, he can't even envision that. Well, he's in sixth grade, so <laughs> fortunately there's some, some time for that to change. And my daughter is, is a little bit more driven. She's she's the freshman. And, you know, we were talking about how it would be great uh, for our retirement to actually, you know, buy a boat that we could live on. And mm-hmm. and that he could be our chef and our fisherman and and mm-hmm. uh, and our our captain because he loves all those things and and I had to back up a couple of days later because he assumed that because I said it that that's what was going to happen. <laughs> and I said no, there's, there's a difference between dreaming and planning. <laughs> right. Yes, so absolutely. your book, the the Craft a Life Plan, helps you both dream and plan in a really, really super practical way. So you talked about doing this with a partner, so that leads right into this next uh, section, which is is item number three, invest in relationships. So talk to me a little bit about that. My personal belief when it comes to relationships is that the your your ability to build relationships at work is going to be pretty similar to your ability and interest in building relationships outside of work. So as an example, if you are a terrible neighbor, you're probably hard to work for, <laughs> right? And so if you place Absolutely. value on relationships, if you believe in investing in relationships, if you if you enjoy having relationships with people, and I don't mean hundreds and thousands, I mean you know where you where you do have people in your life that you pay attention to them and that you understand that a little investment goes a long way in relationships, and that relationships mm-hmm. don't just happen. Uh, and so if you value that then I believe that there are tremendous professional benefits as well as a good support system because if your job is really, really stressful, it's incredibly important to have a network around you, a a support system around you of people with whom you have nice, close, trusted, loyal relationships that you can count on. Well, and we have all known people over the past few years who, you know, through the economic crisis have uh, gone from having a very good, secure job with, you know, a, a well-known company in the industry, and all of a sudden, they are let go, and they didn't mm-hmm. see it coming. And you know, if they wrapped everything that they were in that job, uh, they can find themselves very, very alone, and and without that network, uh, really, to leverage to figure out what they are going to do and to make it through whatever amount of time it takes uh, to land properly. Yeah, absolutely. If you put all your eggs in one basket, then if there if there's a problem in that one area, then you really don't you aren't left with very very much. But I do distinguish, and we'll talk about this in a little bit. There is a difference to me between having strong relationships and having a good network. Right, right. Well, let's move on uh, to section four, which is all about leadership. What is mm-hmm. a real leader, Karen? Oh, that's a million dollar question that we don't have anywhere near enough time for. <laughs> <laughs> But for me, the, the the leader category in this model is about being clear who you are as a leader and making sure that you are communicating who you are as a leader consistently. And so it's, it's about having a, a code or a set of values that you live with and lead with and being willing to be challenged if, it, if you're ever doing something that, that gives the appearance 
that you're not being consistent, that you're that you're not walking your talk. Mm-hmm. It's about understanding that every single thing you do from the clothes you wear to the way your office looks to how you deliver a speech or a presentation, all of those things send messages about who you are as a leader. And again, to think about those things in advance and to and to be mindful of how you're coming across and making sure you're sending consistent messages. Because really the people around you want to know what you stand for. People want to be inspired. And and so consistency and integrity and character and all of that is wrapped up in whether or not you can be an effective leader. So I'm going to throw a question out to you which has, has uh, uh, puzzled me a bit in, in my own uh, search for where I fit. Um, I would like you to address the difference between being a good manager of people and a good leader of people. Are all managers capable of leadership and are all leaders capable of managing? So if you think about uh, a leader as being the one who sets the course and the manager being the one who who gets you from A to B along the course, Mm -hmm. um, I think that everybody is capable of some of each and then I do think that there is a difference between uh, someone who really is a, a, a charismatic visionary leader and someone who uh, has leadership skills that they can put to use. So, you know, I think it's a combination of nature and nurture as far as I'm mm-hmm. concerned. Um, I do think there well, are people one of who the are better at one I, than the other. One of the reasons I asked this question is, is I had someone who worked for me at, at one point and he was hired as uh, a chief operating officer mm-hmm. and he was very very good at what he did but I could tell that he really aspired to my role which was uh, being the CEO of the company mm-hmm. and I needed a, a strong COO I needed a strong manager by my side who could ensure that everything was executed mm-hmm. uh, because those weren't my strengths I could see all the pieces and I could lay them out, but uh, actually motivating people to get those tasks done wasn't my strength. And Mm -hmm. I I remember the day when I realized that the progression wasn't necessarily from COO to CEO, that it's actually a different core set of capabilities that makes Mm -hmm. you able to do one versus the other. And I I have always uh, felt like I couldn't really have been a good manager of people. I happen to be in all of my corporate roles. I happen to be an individual contributor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think looking back, that was actually by design, uh, you know, as opposed to just being an accident. I think that the people around me realized that, you know, <laughs> I, I, I either was a natural born consultant, which I found out later after I left right. corporate America. But, you know, I, I know a number of leaders who kind of beat themselves up about this, that, you know, they, they aren't necessarily good at the day-to-day management, but they really are visionary leaders. Yeah, and I would like to think of leaders of ideas, leaders of actions, leaders of people. I think that their leadership comes in many forms. Uh, that That's a really good way to look at it. So, you know, what we're really talking about is is making sure that you can actually put the basics in place to even know where you fit. And so the next section is about putting those business basics in place. And and I am assuming, Karen, and I, I haven't made it all the way through the book yet, that this book is equally applicable when you're an entrepreneur and when you're in a corporate executive role. Is that the case? Definitely. And, of course, anyone who's who's leading a large, highly structured organization is going to have an awful lot of what's in that section already in place. 
But for me, a big part of the book, so if you think about who the, who the book is targeted towards, is it's targeted toward that senior level person who wants to fine-tune their performance and, and up their game a little bit. But it's also mm-hmm. targeted toward the individual who aspires to one of those big jobs. And so for me, this is about recognizing that there are business tools that are valuable when it comes to the business performance aspect of the model right? and to put those in place and um, and, and to value them and to, to learn about why they can be useful, a strategic plan, having a clear vision, that sort of thing. Right. Well, I'm glad you brought up the the notion that someone can read this book when they haven't actually uh, achieved the level that they would like to be. And I think that the next section, uh, you know, addresses this head on, take charge of your career. So what are the elements of that? Well, first and foremost, it's not expecting anyone else to make the decisions for you, not expecting anyone to hand you the opportunities. I can't tell you how many times I have the conversation with someone that where where they're thinking, well, I'm ready for that job, why don't they give it to me? And I, I well, nine times out of ten, I'll be in a position to say, because you haven't told them you want it, right? because you haven't asked for it, because you haven't demonstrated you're already ready for it. You know, I think oftentimes um, there's there's a bit of a work culture that says, if I just do hard work, and I would say that women are, if I were to generalize, more guilty of this than men are, if I just do really, really hard work, all of it will be rewarded, all good things will come. <laughs> and to, I mean, and, and doing the hard work is table stakes, it's, it's necessary but not sufficient. And so taking charge of your career means knowing where you want to go, putting the plan in place to get there and letting the people around you know what it is you're you're hoping for, what what it is you're working towards. You know, if you have ambition, claim it. Let them know. Don't be afraid to talk about your accomplishments. Yeah. And it's also right. um having career tools available to you. So if 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 a big job comes along and someone wants to know whether you've got the background for it, have a resume handy. You know, have have one ready to go just because if someone asks the question, you don't want to t- tell them, "Oh, I haven't done a resume in 5 years. Let me get it back to you." Right. You know, so it's really practical things like that. Now, you uh, alluded earlier to the fact that the relationships uh, that are outlined in Section 3 isn't the same as building a valuable network. And, and clearly, building a valuable network is a really important part of taking charge of your career. And I, I do a lot of work with our members that have found themselves um, out of a job for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they go uh, through the full gamut of trying to figure out whether they should go into consulting, uh, which not everyone is cut out for. Absolutely. Um, or whether they should, uh, you know, go to work for a different kind of company. If they worked for a major corporation, should they, you know, look at working for a smaller company, maybe even get involved in a startup where they can have some equity, um, or maybe even leave their industry entirely and try to take – their knowledge base and, and transform that and make it useful in another industry. But all of that really gets back to having a network that you can even ask the questions of, of what's Absolutely. it like to work for X. So mm-hmm. tell me about uh, this section and, and what you provide uh, that helps people build their own valuable network. Well, the first thing I assert is that in my view, I, I've never met a senior level executive that talks about anything called networking they understand that their network is an asset. It's got value. It needs to be built and nurtured and taken care of and added to and and um, weeded or, or uh, you know taken away from quite strategically. So to look at your network as a thing, 
uh, you know, as something that has value, it is an asset. That's a, a really important distinction versus what is oftentimes a fairly superficial activity called networking, which quite often has no purpose. So that would be number one thing. Um, but you raise a great point. You know, in, in the occasion of someone wanting to consider changing industries, that's an incredibly hard thing to do because your network is not likely built in that new industry unless you've had some sense of that being a place you wanted to go eventually and you've been working for your whole career toward establishing relationships in different industries. Mm-hmm. You know, so there are people who will say, no, you know what, I'm a marketing person, but I can do marketing across a number of industries. I'm really interested in a different industry. Let me network with marketing people as opposed to industry people because that will right. help me make an industry change. You know, So the, your strategy needs to be based on what, what you hope to be able to draw from your network at some point down the road in the context of your career and life plan. Right. Well, and if you have never done that life plan, you wouldn't even have explored those things. Right. But, you know, I think the interesting <laughs> thing is that the social media tools that are available to us these days and and uh, probably the most important in the context of this discussion is LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And, you know, getting involved in some of the dialogue on some of those broader groups that that are not industry-specific. And, oh, you, know, I, you know, yeah, that just opens up, uh, you know, personal relationships. And if you get involved in commenting on, on what other people have to say, uh, there's another really terrific one. And, and uh, I discovered this when I first started the Executive Girlfriends Group in my radio shows. Um, there, there's a, a newsletter that goes out every day from a group called uh, HARO, H-A-R-O, Help a Reporter Out. Help a Reporter Out. I know it well. Yes, and, and HARO has been the source of many of our, our guests on, on all of our radio shows that we do. And But what I love about it is, you know, if I actually have a little bit of extra time each day, I read through all of the different requests for mm-hmm. experts on a particular topic. And, you know, it's very cool because anybody, you know, in the course of a week or two weeks can find one story that they could actually respond to where they would be the expert. And and if you can can begin to discover your own uh, areas of expertise and find out how broadly they can be applied, I I think that that can be a really valuable tool as well. Well, and I think um, you know, that you raise an interesting point because if you give before you expect to receive, you'll be able to take from your network later on down the road. So think about places mm-hmm. where you can contribute. It's a discussion thread on LinkedIn. It's the help of a reporter out. You know, any place where you can contribute and be of service, right. that's going to be a place where you've got some equity and you can draw on it later if you need to. Exactly. And, you know, I know for me, when when I started looking at, at how I wanted to change my focus, I realized, you know, we had lived here in Tampa uh, for probably four or five years at, at that time, and I really didn't know anybody but the people at my church and, and mm-hmm. the people in my neighborhood because my business has always been a global business. Right. And I, you know, in the course of, of the 17 years of my career, I've only had two clients in the state of Florida. And I realized I needed to plug into some things that would get me to know other people in, in the local business community. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that the, the networking can not only be, uh, you know, how you tap into the global network over social media, which, uh, you know, 10 years ago we, we couldn't have even imagined what that would be like. But also, mm-hmm. if you have been largely electronic in your networking, actually doing some face-to-face stuff is uh, also very powerful. And it can be a little bit scary, too, walking into a room the- with a, a fistful of business cards and, and you ha- you have to 
pick and choose those very, very carefully. You do, but that said, I think the pendulum is swinging and more and more people are craving more human interaction, so I think there's yeah. great opportunities in that form. Exactly, exactly. And and if you find you're in a room full of people uh, and, and they're all trying to sell you something, you're just, you picked the wrong one. I'll just say yeah. that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, let's move on to the next one because this is actually one of my favorites. Um, this this section is called Be a Lifelong Learner. And and I have used this with my children of, of one of the reasons why I want them to read is I really want them to foster that intellectual curiosity. And I think that mm-hmm. that's the characteristic that creates a lifelong reader and a lifelong learner. So yeah. talk to me about th- what this means to you in the context of leadership. In the context of leadership, this for me says, number one, there's always something new to learn. I am never done. Uh, number two, it means that I, I'm, I'm mindful of the fact that the world is changing constantly and I need to stay relevant. Um, and, and then, you know, how do I progress? How do I develop? If, even if you think about leading people, there's all kinds of new information emerging every day on brain science and human behavior and motivation and all that sort of thing. So, so there's going to be every aspect of your life will be well served by that ongoing curiosity and in you know when it comes to the business that you're in you better be sure that you're current on on mm-hmm. what happens in your industry and with your competitors um you should probably be relatively current on day-to-day news events if you're at a cocktail party or you know you're trying to build a relationship with someone it's great to know what's going on in the world and be able to talk about that so i think learning for me goes you know from from the very small bite-sized easily accessible day-to-day stuff to bigger deeper what's my learning plan for myself so i've I continue to develop relevant, useful skills that will support my progress in whatever direction I'm hoping to progress. Excellent. Karen, I just want to be mindful of your time because we we had to reschedule the venue that we were doing this show. It's a little bit after one. Do you still have a few minutes or do we need to I do, yes. No problem. Okay, terrific. Well, then then we can take our time because I love these last two as well. (laughs) The next one is one I don't do a lot of. And and this is is a, a very very noticeable gap in my life, and that is have some fun. <laughs> I don't know if there's anyone else listening who's like me, but I I was a serious child. I mean, I I wasn't. I, there was not a frivolous bone in my body. <laughs> and I I look at my daughter, and and my daughter is is our our natural daughter, and then our son we adopted from Russia. So there there is different as, as night and day, and he's all about fun all day, all the time, every day. And and she's much more like me, much more introspective, and, and so fun doesn't come as naturally. Um, so how does fun play into leadership? Oh, well, I guess the first comment I want to make is that not, not everyone's fun looks and sounds the same. And uh, I love Susan Cain's work on the introvert. You know, the the introvert's kind of fun might be reading a book. And that's great. Right. They, you know, everyone everyone should be should be free to express their own pursuit of fun in their own way. Um, but as far as being a leader is concerned, for one thing, you've got to have a, an outlet for for relief of stress. You know, you've got to have ways you can you can change the stimulation that's going on around you because that way you're fresher and more creative when it comes to engaging in the work stuff. So so to to give yourself those those outlets that are purely recreational. Um, but and also to keep your brain sharp, you know, if you're always thinking about the same kinds of problems over and over again, then you're going to get into some some fairly um, routinized sort of neural pathways. So you want to make sure that you're always challenging yourself a little bit and stretching 
um, and and challenging your brain. So um, so that's you know that's that's all part of it, I think. And it's also oftentimes to shake, shake up your your social scene uh, and to do things with other people, whether it's your your significant other, your family, um, community people. You know, just to to be in recreational pursuits with other people is is. Uh, good for the soul. It's good for you. You physically laughing is good. Smiling is good. You know, there's all kinds of research to support how all of those things are just purely healthy for us. So, um, you know, I think that the the fact that you can lighten up a little bit and laugh every now and again. I mean, you manage stress better. That's for sure, and you stay healthier. Right. Right. Well, again, that and and health and fitness are are the two things I am I am working <laughs> on the most because all the business stuff. I mean, I I can write a business plan with my eyes closed, and, I'm sure and you, you know can. all of these all of these other things. You know, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was kind of born to do all of that, but I really want to work on on that that rounding process because I I think yeah. I uh, I have a, a few flat sides in, in uh, <laughs> that that need to be pulled out, well, and just being willing to lighten up a little bit every now and again. I mean, I'm actually doing something this weekend that I, a friend invited me to do and I would never have dreamed of doing it on my own but there's a, a it was called the, the the Santa Claus 5k run locally and so I'm participating mm. in a run on Saturday morning where 4,000 people will dress up in red Santa suits and run five kilometers oh how fun <laughs> <laughs> and again I never would have thought of doing that on my own but a group of people are going and they invited me along and I thought well okay that sounds just like uh, kind of crazy I wouldn't normally get anywhere close to sure why not I'm in Oh, that that is funny. <laughs> now, this last one is one I I actually love to do, but this is another one of those things that we don't often take time to do. And and mm-hmm. in many ways, I think that this is is uh, one of the most important uh, out of the ten, and that is pausing and reflecting. So there is so much data and research behind the fact that. Meditation is valuable. It's valuable from a stress management perspective. You can change the actual structure and function of your brain through meditative practice. So that that for me is the high ground. But I don't pretend to be able to convince the typical executive of that. Um, mm-hmm. What I am crystal clear on, though, is that any time spent in introspection and reflection is going to change the quality of the actions that you're taking. Because if you're just in busy doing mode all the time, then then you might so be so busy doing that you don't realize you're doing in a completely wrong direction. Um, and so the, in that section, we go through 10 points of every level of planning from daily quiet time or introspection to weekly, monthly, daily, annual, you know, all sorts of different planning practices to help you stay on the course that you've designed for yourself. Um, and to make sure that you're focused on the high-impact activities as opposed right. to just responding to stimuli around you. You know, you know I think uh, one, of the ones, one of the ones I find the most interesting out of this section is uh, your personal history documentation. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I recently bought a book, or, or actually my daughter may have bought it for me, um, you know, to write my personal history. And, and it, it's got the whole framework where, you know, it oh. prompts you through... Uh, and and I'm looking at the book up on my shelf, but I can't see the name on the side. But uh, oh yeah, I'd love I, to know I what that is. It, yeah, um, 
Uh, well, the next time you're talking, I'll put you on speaker and I'll walk over and get it. Uh, <laughs> but but it, it's very interesting because I, I bought this book also for my uh, my daughter's grandmother, who is ninety, uh, going to be ninety two, and you know, so much of that history just goes away when we die. And I you know I think a lot of us are leaving a, you know bits of our history every day in social media, but who who knows whether <laughs> whether it will ever be aggregatable? You know that that you can go back and actually uh, look at it in a meaningful way. So, you know, I think this practice of actually writing things down or recording it, you know, I mean, I think that that's another, uh, another yeah, way or, to or do it. Or capturing it in some form. You know, I have a client who's right. who's got something he calls a life chest, and he tries to put one item every day into his life chest. And, you know, it can be the, the cork from the bottle of wine at dinner. It can be a ticket. It can be a, a, a note from something that happened in a day. It can be a photograph. So he puts an item almost every day into his life just because it, his perspective is he wants to be living a life that's that worthy of keeping track of. Wow. Well, I just got up and got the book, and um, it is called A Mother's Legacy, Your Life Story oh. in Your Own Words, A Loving Gift for Your Children. Wow. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, it's spiral bound, so, you know, you don't have to do it all in one sitting. You can just, you know, in fact, it, it's organized by month so that you can start it in January, and, and by December you're done. And a couple of years ago, my sisters and I, uh, one one of my sisters bought three sisters' books that asks of your memories of the other sisters or the other sibling, I guess. And we took three years, and we each wrote something about the first sibling the first year. And, and again, it was a daily journal. And then uh, we sent that next Christmas, we sent it to the other sister uh, of the three. And so Mm -hmm. at the end, you had the other two siblings' memories of you, which was incredibly powerful. I love it. Uh, we only have a couple of minutes uh, left here, and, and what I'd like to close with, Karen, uh, because I know that your day job is all about coaching uh, executives, so I want to give you uh, just a quick uh, chance to share how people can reach you, what, what is the best website, or you know, should they be following you on Twitter or Facebook, or do you have links on your website? So why don't you just talk about how people can reach you and uh, then we'll just close with the name of your book so that people can order that if they would like to get a copy. Thank you so much. Well, my the website that is really all about me and my coaching philosophy and the book is Karen Wright Coaching, K-A-R-E-N-W-R-I-G-H-T, coaching.com. And from there, that will lead you to, I run a coaching business with a number of coaching associates, and so there's there's links to that, there's links to the book. Um, and yes, I'm on Twitter at Karen Wright One, the number one, and I have a, a good presence on LinkedIn. And so, yeah, there's lots of ways people can find me. I think in the in the coaching space, I'm pretty findable. So I've been uh, I've been a proud pioneer in the coaching industry, um, you know, for since the mid '90s. That's a pretty long time. So uh, it well, is terrific. work that I do by day, and I love it. Well, and and I have always wanted to have uh, the opportunity to be coached. I know uh, everyone I know who has invested in it uh, personally has has just felt like it was an invaluable uh, investment. Well, and I'm happy to so, hear that. Uh, yeah, so if if folks are thinking about that, uh, you know, Karen definitely uh, has that as a business. And again, as she mentioned. Uh, you can also uh, get, gain access to her uh, questionnaire, which I'm glad to hear you've got it online because I, I thought, well, you know, I'm going to write it in the book. And then I thought, no, you know, I'd really like to have this online so I could print it out and think about it. And, mm-hmm. and so uh, that's terrific to know that you have that. 
So again, the name of the book is The Complete Executive, The 10-Step System for Great Leadership Performance. Our guest was Karen Wright, and Karen is from Toronto, if you didn't hear that uh, that Canadian accent uh, embedded in her. <laughs> and uh, Karen, it has just been delightful. Thank you for being flexible about uh, doing the interview directly on Blog Talk Radio since we had a, a few challenges with our call-in system on our Executive Girlfriends group site. And listen, I've been very happy to be here. It's been uh, it's been a treat. Thank you so much, Jackie. Well, great. I hope you have a terrific weekend, and uh, let us know how the uh, the Santa race goes. That that would be worthy <laughs> of seeing some pictures of that. <laughs> yeah, well, they may just show up. We'll have to see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, terrific. Well, thank you again so much, and. Uh, we we hope to be in touch in the future, and uh, I, I'm plowing through the book now, and, and this is one of those things that uh, is, is a, an investment in, in myself, which I know I need to do. So thank you, you, Karen, and have a great weekend. My pleasure. You too. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Executive Girlfriends Group and on the Solutions Live channel. For more information about the Executive Girlfriends Group, see www.executivegirlfriendsgroup.com. Thanks, and I hope you can join us next week. You know that.